Good morning, Meta. I'm Roy. We, we are friends on Instagram. We both patients advocate specifically for POT syndrome patients. We will talk a lot about POT, but I'm so happy to have you. Technically, it's, it's my first collab with another patient advocate. And I must say, first of all, before you introduce yourself, that I'm super inspired by you. You always give me strength to go and specifically do the rehabilitation workout that I do every day because you're always with your sports loading, taking pictures and so on. So thank oh, you for thank that. You. And I want you to learn more about you and your struggles and your life. And yeah, just to get to know you better so we can maybe find ways together to help other patients out there. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the kind words. It warms my heart. Well, my name is Mette and I'm 25 years old and I live in Denmark and I have I started getting symptoms of POTS in 2009, so it's been a long while. But I got diagnosed in 2015, so it was it's a it was a struggle to get there, but we got there finally. <laughs> and my symptoms were like on off, like I have I've been sick for one year now, but five years before that, I have worked full time at McDonald's, but I got some COVID symptoms last year where I, afterwards, I had my pot symptoms flare up. So I've been on sick leave since then. So, and currently I am trying the Levine protocol or CHOP or whatever you guys want to call it. It has a lot of names. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in month three right now. So uh, I hope it's going to work. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that you, you managed to get to month three because the the Liva Protocol or the Dallas program, there's so many programs, names for the same program. It was developed in the Presbyterian Hospital in Dallas, Texas, United mm -hmm. States. And the problem with this program, and even a healthy person uh, who is not in shape will find it hard because it's very physically tough. But because what they did, these lovely doctors and physiologists, they took the physiological parameters that what POT patient needs to do if he wants to get better but we start from such a low point compared to other people. So a lot of people actually cannot hold this program. And I'm so happy you reached month three. What I found about, like specifically about myself is that without the support of the hospitals, and I'm going to talk more about it, like because I did it in a hospital, I would never man manage to make it even after like maybe two weeks in probably. So mm -hmm. I think we should find ways to simplify those rehabilitation programs, specifically for dysautonomia and post patients. And yeah. It was, it was sad to me to hear that you was one of the regular stories of POST taking six years to diagnose. Yes. For me, it was the same, around six years to diagnose. I was self-diagnosed, but again, it took me around six years. And I was diagnosed in 2009 after being sick from probably 2002 or something like this. Even 2001, for me, it happened during the military service. So it's six years when the moment that I was in bed until the moment I diagnosed, but the, the, the symptoms started earlier during my military service. I, I want to ask you, when you got your diagnosis, were there like mm -hmm. a doctor saying, okay, now you do the Dallas program, Levi protocol, and that's what you need to do, or you had to do it yourself and research? When I was diagnosed, I was told to eat more salt and drink more water, <laughs> of course, Yeah. <laughs> and like buy these compression stockings uh, and use them. Okay. But at the time, I don't think that the doctors knew anything like really about the the training programs and stuff. They said that they had some medication I could try if it was if it was really 
tough getting through the days. But I wanted to try and not be on medication because I don't feel like it's the it's it's only kicking the symptoms away. It's not treating the root cause of it. And I don't like that. And it wasn't until this year or last year that my cardiologist said that we could try this program because I had been trying some medication and it didn't work for me because my blood pressure is really low too. <laughs> so the beta blockers, well, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, but at first he was like, if you can do it by yourself, you can try to, but he was also like another patient he had, had some help from physiotherapist at the hospital. But my cardiologist is in a, in a whole other city than where I live. So he couldn't, he couldn't get me into the hospital in physical therapy. But I do get a help from a physiotherapist in my city. And I have my primary care doctor to call if anything happens or anything. And then I have like phone calls with my cardiologist once in a while to, to talk to him about how's it going, how it's going, stuff. So it, it actually seems to me like even in the best health care systems in the world, like we hear in Netherlands, Israel, Denmark, those very famous healthcare systems, it still seems like that it's kind of a DIY medicine kind of with POTS because we have to find mm-hmm. hacks. Like for me, I had to convince this nice physiotherapist that actually treated my shoulder because I had something orthopedical not related to POTS. I had to mm-hmm. beg her to to learn the Dallas program and to help me kind of using the facilities in the clinic. Like this is how I started because what we did in Israel was pretty crazy. We institutionalized and nationalized the, the rehabilitation mm-hmm. program. But in many countries, if you don't know somebody or your doctor is kind enough to refer you to somebody, there is nothing organized because there is not enough masses yet of people with thoughts to, to have some sort of rehabilitation program. So what we're trying to do in Dysautonomia Israel, and, and I'm trying to set up a European, pan-European Dysautonomia Society, is to find a way to kind of democratize kind of the rehabilitation program, because it's so simple for a member of the community, like occupational therapy, physical therapist, even fitness trainer, to learn it and to yes. help those patients. And the only concern medical doctors have is that in the very, very bad stages of POT, you can faint from everything or anything small that they trigger you. So we're trying to solve that. And, and there are a lot of you know, technology solutions for remote physical therapy, but it's just crazy that I'm getting emails every week or, or, or DMs from people that says like, I don't even, I didn't even never heard about this program and I yeah. don't even know who to talk to. In the States, it's crazy because sometimes people need to travel 300 kilometers to see a doctor who even heard about POT, right? We live in small countries, relatively, so it's it's less of a problem. Um, but I think that you said something super super interesting there is that you 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 have medication on, I had medication on, and we don't want just to extinguish, just to put away like a fire, put away the fire, put away the symptoms. We want to get better. But mm-hmm. in parts, we have something super interesting. We have this crazy uh, chicken and egg situation that we're too weak to do exercise, and if we don't do exercise, we're too sick. So it's like. We have to balance this all the time. So yeah. if I don't walk for two weeks, if I stop doing my daily walks, jogging, like in two weeks, I have all the symptoms back. But yes. in sometimes like during summer in Israel, but now I live in Europe, but in Israel, it can be 38 degrees or something. And in Tel Aviv, it's too hot to do exercise. So how do you, how do you deal with this 
daily struggle of balancing these levels? Oh, it can be hard, but well, Denmark is not really that hot of a country, so the weather is not a problem here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's more about the motivation and you have to remember what what motivates you and why you are doing it to get to go to the gym every day or do it at home. I would I would recommend going to the gym because it's easier mentally than it is at home and also there's the social thing by going to the gym and there's more people around you if you have to feel like symptomatic during a workout but yeah I just try to remember why I'm doing it and if I don't go I I can end up being in bed and I don't want that <laughs> so yeah. that's that's what motivates me it's like do the work or get worse so <laughs> There's no, there's no in between. <laughs> so true. That's so true. Yeah. I found it the same. When I got to Austria, it was so hard for me to actually incorporate it during my, my daily life. And then mm-hmm. when I rolled into a gym and basically it's so stupid, like I'm going to the gym just to use the walker and everybody's looking at me just barely walking on the walker, but it gave me a structure. And sometimes there are uh, air conditions in these places in summer, sometimes not, but like in Europe, it's kind of strange, but because global warming and so on, but it was a building that you go in you have a purpose you're there for like an hour or two and you know that you have to do something and it took me a long long time to get to the point that i don't need the gym and that my daily walk is actually also a mindful activity not not only a sport activity which leads me to the next question how do you incorporate mindfulness into your rehabilitation because i see you do a lot of those like yoga and other stuff so can you tell me more about it yeah every time i work out i uh and my workout with yoga and it's all from 15 to 30 minutes every day and I also have a dog (laughs) so I I get I get out and walk a lot and I like to just breathe in the nature and the like no music in the ears or anything just going and just taking it in and it seems to help a lot and I also meditate every time I do yoga every time I enter the yoga session, I meditate. And yeah, I just try to do some self-care every day, do something to make me feel good. That's, that's, that's really good. But do you, do you feel that you had struggles starting to meditate, starting to do yoga, yoga and put it into your daily routine? Oh, yes, I did. The yoga wasn't hard for me because I really like the stretching and uh, yeah, it, it feels good. I think so it was it was easy but the meditation I have a hard time meditating because my mind is just everywhere mine too mine as well yeah yeah so it's really hard and when I meditate I sometimes fall asleep because I I try to relax so hard that I get so relaxed I fall asleep so yeah it was really hard but I'm I'm learning still meditation is not easy (laughs) for everyone it's amazing that everybody has even like I hear pot patients who are so sick and fainty, but the the yoga is easier for them than the meditation. And I must have a little disclaimer: not every yoga type is good to 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 pot, specifically in the in the, the rehabilitation phase when you're still fainting and your blood pressure is crazy and tachycardia is crazy. So the only approved yoga that I recommend, like we're not doctors, but is Yin yoga, which is very very gentle and you can do it lying down not a lot of movement changes because most of the time with thought i could not do yoga because it's Mm -hmm. too rapid movement changes so i had to find a teacher that came to my home 
for three, four sessions, and she taught me what I can do with POTS. She just read about POTS and, and find things. There is also a really cool, there is a woman in Israel, she's amazing, her name is Michal, like Michelle, and she did her PhD about therapeutic yoga, and mm-hmm. she kind of came up with a special routine for yoga for POTS that helped our, our community. So I will try to share some of it. I want to say something also about the mindfulness. I think that um, people don't realize how healing mindfulness is. It's not only for relaxing. Mm-hmm. Controlling our, our mind basically is is like they, they tell us it's all in our head and then we're insulted because what? I have a real illness. But as, as long as I advance in my journey of getting better and now writing my books, Revolution from Your Bed, I realize that it's really all in your head. Like you're you can really make yourself healthier. And the way I healed myself was a lot of mindfulness, a lot of meditation. I didn't know that I'm doing something good, but I did it. So I think that the struggle is, first of all, to have healthy routines before we even mm-hmm. think about putting meditation every day. I want to help you. Like, do you have a healthy routines in general, like with your nutrition, sleep, or other things other than yoga and meditation? Well, I try to get up and go to bed at the same time every day, of course. It can be hard some days to get up at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But I don't eat anything specific. I eat what I want because I have a lot of nausea. So it's yeah. important for me to get something to eat also with the workouts and stuff. So I just eat whatever I can and what I want. And I'm also very picky, so that doesn't help. But I try to maintain like a structured day. Like I... I try to plan my day as much as possible, but but yeah, the the workouts and the strict bedtimes and stuff like that it really helps. So, so for me, I must say that sleeping was always a big problem. Um, mm-hmm. Nutrition, I'm I'm a foodie. I'm not very picky, but I found that it was very hard to eat large meals with pot, so I had to divide it into yes. like small five meals or so a day. But also. When pot started, I had a crazy year of nausea and mm-hmm. I was I lost almost 30 kilograms and I was admitted to a hospital, not because of pot, but because of weight loss in the beginning, because I, you know how it feels. You just, you're so nauseated, you cannot just, you cannot eat. So I tried shakes and soups and everything. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, today we have much more tools than what, what I had like 15 years ago, that we have special shakes, special salt liquids liquids we have uh, we have like solutions technologically solutions and nutritional solutions for every stage of pot mm-hmm. and uh, for me specifically it, it it varies you know but what i did is figure out what's ca- kind of irritating my immune system and my body and try to really eat healthy and avoid it so for me it was dairy i was always lactose intolerant like you're you're Dan- danish so 99 percent of danish people don't have lactose intolerance by by studies but I had lactose intolerance, so I just took away completely dairy. I didn't eat fried. I didn't eat processed. I really ate, like, you know, herbs, beans, like, green leaf vegetables, very little meat, more tofu and stuff like this. And for the two years of recovery, I really ate so clean, and I felt it helped me. And dealing with insomnia, that is the other problem with our daily life, I, I had to find techniques to, to really fight it because, even if we sleep eight hours, we're probably not going to feel so much refreshed, especially in the in the rehabilitation phase, right? You can wake up after 12 mm-hmm. hours and say, well, I, I'm so tired, I want to go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to find techniques to use it. And it's okay in the first stages to consult your doctors. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not for taking uh, sleep medications, but melatonin or other, like, there's so, so many herbal remedies that are approved and, and can be used to, in, at least in the beginning, because when... 
when our autonomic autonomic uh, nervous system response is crazy sometimes when we lay in bed and go to sleep the body thinks we're uh, being chased by a tiger so we cannot fall asleep you know because it's this fight or flight always like this mm-hmm. keeping in and and i think the, the the main challenge is to balance it and when i was rehabilitated there is not nothing there even youtube was kind of new it was no tools no spotify nothing like guided meditations and so on and today there are so many tools and what i wanted to ask you is have you heard about this crazy i think it's called dnsr program that you can neuro program your your new not your neurological system to kind of balance this fight or flight reaction and I hear that from some people in Israel, they did it, some of our community members, that most of the POT symptoms went away. So we have programs, we have technologies to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel that what you did, and I don't see it with a lot of patients because I follow a lot of POT, POT patients throughout social yeah. media, is that you are putting rehabilitation first. Yes. Um, and some people are just doing, I'm, I will kind of try to live my life and I'm falling and getting up, falling and getting up. And you said, okay, let's stop for a second and I will get better and then go back to life. So I wanted to ask you, are you are you able to work or study during this rehabilitation phase right now? I did study, but it was like really light study work. So it wasn't that demanding for me, but I want to go back to study in August if I can. But right now I can't work and I can't study right now as it, as it looks because I... Have these I have this very fatigue that I deal with every day, and it yeah. doesn't matter how much I sleep and uh, whatever yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. So if I go to the gym, for example, I can sit on the bike, and if I close my eyes, I, I just tend to almost fall asleep because I, I'm so tired all the time. Yeah. And the same thing happens when I read and when I sit in front of the computer and stuff. So it's. I, I have to be able to take breaks when I meet them or like stand up and walk around because or else I'm going to fall asleep when I'm sitting. And I feel like that's not possible if I have a, a job and it's not possible if I go to school. So what I do if I'm going to study in August is that it's going to be online so I can so I can do everything in my own pace. I, I really admire you for that because it takes a lot of courage because people think psychologically that if I stop working or, or studying, I am giving up on life. And I always mm. have an argument with my my doctor. He always really encouraged the, the, the POT patients to, to be in some sort of, of activity group or some sort of framework, some sort of structure. And I know that occupational therapy speaking is super healthy to stay in a structure, but for me, being admitted to a rehabilitation hospital, it is a structure. And today with online studies and COVID showed how how everything can be remotely. I, I think that if you don't take those few months, and for me, it took around six months from the moment mm-hmm. I decided on rehabilitating myself, I didn't have a Dallas program. I had to consult with friends who are physical therapists, occupational therapists, and build something for myself, starting from rubber yeah. bands with my legs, steps, you know, walking a few steps and fainting, walking a yes. few steps, until I got to seven kilometers or five kilometers a day, and even at some wow. point, some running intervals. Um, this was my structure. And I think that post patients need to understand that if they don't stop for a second and put themselves in a different framework, 
of structure. Mm-hmm. It's only going to get back and forth because I have a funny story. I had some strange remission happening. Yeah. I got steroids as an experiment in the middle of my illness, and they didn't know if it helped so much. But what happened is that for one and a half months or so, I could get out of bed and I fainted instead of like 30 times a day, like really every time I moved my head, I could stand and walk a bit. So I had like towards the end, like when I already got it a bit better. So what I yeah. did, I could get out of bed and I was like, oh my God, I'm healthy again, which was completely wrong. So I went and worked in a bookshop and yeah. every day I would like lift boots, faint on the floor or just sit on the floor until my manager told me you cannot go on and work like this. So I worked for a few weeks. It was horrible. But for me, I thought, wow, I'm fighting for myself. But now I realize that fighting for myself would have been just, you know, committing to a healthy lifestyle and routine and taking something upon myself as an external structure, like studying online or being a part of a group online. I get so many emails about it that people say, if I stop working, if I stop studying, that's it. But it's not. I, I just see it, you know, like like in a in a race, you know, in Formula One, they have to stop to, to change the tires. They have to stop to refuel in the middle. Otherwise, yes. they're just going to stuck. So that's what we're doing. This race that we call life, we just stop in the pit for a second, in mm-hmm. the pit stop, and rebuilding ourselves. And I think that what you're doing, like I follow a lot of influencers regarding post-dysautonomic chronic illness. And what I like about your job is you're so genuine. You're not trying to be, I'm a regular person. Or you're not trying to to see like to hide your illness, or you're not trying to to do something that is other than showing your rehabilitation journey. And I wish I had the tools and the courage to do what you're doing. And I really want to commend you for this. And I want to ask you because I was speaking for like three minutes straight. I'm sorry. I want to ask you <laughs> if you have any tips for other people, because we know that Instagram and other social media can really empower patients if they share the story. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips of people how they can really genuinely get better while using social media? While using social media? Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. (laughs) I think I need you to, um, like, how do you say that? Ask the question in another way, maybe? Yes. So I can understand um, better. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sorry. You know, I'm a public speaker. So when I start speaking, no, it's, uh, it's totally fine. <laughs> no so, problem. Um, I just, what I said is that you really inspire me as an influencer, as a patient advocate online, because you share your genuine story and you're proud of the fact that you stopped everything to get better. Mm-hmm. And even though you're 25, you know, the people expect you maybe to join the race of life. But yeah. you stopped everything and you are one of the influencers. You know, you're not just pretending that everything is okay with you. You're showing when you're not feeling well. You're showing when you're training. Do you have any tips or, or comments on how other patients with POTS can use maybe social media not to get worse because, you know, we see everybody healthy, so we feel better, bad. But how can we use it as a tool to actually get better? How can we get educated, Ah, inspired, and so on? Yes. Well, at first, it's really, really important to remember that there is something behind the social media accounts. Because a lot of accounts does only show like the good side and the Photoshop pictures and my life is so great and stuff like that. And that's totally fine. I believe more in, in showing everything. Like, of course, it 
you have to some have some privacy, but also showing the bad days and sharing your thoughts and stuff like that. So just keep in mind that everyone's lives, everyone has some kind of trouble they're going through and everyone has their own battles. So just because somebody is showing that they their life is so great and their relationships are so healthy and oh these may never argue or this person can go work without fainting and stuff like that just remember that there's also like a backside of the metal and just yeah just keep that in mind i think that will help a lot yeah so important what you said there are real people behind it and i think that the patient what we're trying to do with the patient school is to create a network of of hope kind of because we cannot get people out of instagram but we we want to use those channels to really educate people and to give mm-hmm. them hope and that's what i'm doing in my account and i and I, i you know it was very hard for me to decide like is my account like i have in all social media i have like 30,000 followers like am i an entrepreneur that i had a disease and or illness and now i'm better so everything is good or am i struggling or am i and it's so hard and eventually what people really are inspired by is you being genuine you showing your real life you know i had a very famous live that i did and it was a series of stories that thousands of people watched that i was in an airport in belgrade i gave a talk there and i was in nine countries in seven days and i was just laying on a on a bench in the airport and i could not get up i could mm-hmm. i was i was so potty after a while without symptoms from almost and i just shared it because i think that it's so important for people to understand that you waste a lot of energy trying to put yourself in this framework that everybody is healthy and i'm not healthy and one day i'll be healthy or showing that you're okay and it's okay for to let go i think it's okay to let yeah. go for a second and and say i'm all about getting better and i always say to my followers if somebody is making you feel bad you watch it and you're like i don't i don't want to like it i don't. just unfollow people like, yeah exactly yeah. create your own ecosystem in all social media follow only people who gives you hope yes i've unfollowed a lot of people on instagram that i started following because they had the same illness or they had some other things that they were struggling with or they reached out to me and was like hey i'm also struggling and stuff and yeah, maybe we should support each other and i'm i'm all for that but as the time went by i could see that posts were very negative and very like i feel so bad and it it's totally fine i i also share when i feel bad and stuff but it was really just like then they started how can i say this being negative towards healthy people you know like being very oh don't tell me this don't tell me that and stuff like that and i was like hmm i i don't need this because i don't mind people telling me have you tried this have you tried this have you tried this of course it can be a lot and you can be like oh five people already mentioned that and yes yeah. i have tried yoga yes i have tried drinking water yes i have been walking and stuff like that but they they just do it because they care about you and i i don't need to follow people who put people down because they try to help other people i i can't deal with that so i i unfollowed those people and the people who are very negative in their posts because i try to focus on being positive no matter what of course there you have to be you have to allow yourself to be sad and angry and 
and stuff like that because it is hard having an invisible illness and it's okay to be sad and mourn the life you had before or stuff like that but it's also very important as you said keeping the mental healthy because it will heal you not maybe maybe it won't heal you like medication will for example or like the program we I'm doing right now will but it will definitely help you stay motivated and it will definitely help you feel better in somehow. I really agree. And I, I look at those complaints as memes. For me, it's like, like that, that's what it is for me because this negativity, like I understand where it comes from. Patients are falling mm-hmm. between the cracks. And when you lose your support system, when your family turns against you or your friend turns against you, and we've all been there. Like they don't believe you. When yes. you're not diagnosed for five, six years, people stop believing you, even your loved ones. And when I talked to a psychologist mm-hmm. about it, she told me that, of course, your mom or your sister or your brother or your best friend, they kind of disappoint you because for them, it's heartbreaking to see somebody like you so loved being kind of, you know, faded away into something. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I really think that we have the control on two things. First of all, our mind to, to have like this mental hygiene that is super important. And we are now using state-of-the-art evidence-based tools in the patient school app that will come up in a few months to use tools that patients can teach themselves mental hygiene techniques to feel better, even even if you're not diagnosed, even if your illness is in the in the liver, but you're still depressed because you have a chronic illness. So we at mm-hmm. least we take care of this part. And alongside nutrition yes. and lifestyle and sleep, it's our health, you know, and our social connection. Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't forget that the, the support system are super important. And it's super important to ask for help. And a lot of patients do not ask for help. And do not ask for support, even if they feel very down. So I, I will mention here again, there is this beautiful project in Germany called Body Help. It's friends of mine that started this. It's a free chat with a therapist or with a volunteer that is trained to help people in distress, but not only in distress, also in any life difficulty and in chronic illness. So I will tag them in this video or story. And I think we should learn how to ask help. And if we feel we don't have enough support systems, we should find ways and techniques to cope with it so we have support systems and we, we should have a purpose and we should have an aim, but we should very well stay motivated because in a lot of chronic illnesses, lifestyle is totally effective as we see in POTS. Like we have to exercise, we have to eat healthy, we have to, to sleep well. And if we don't do it, like I see a lot of patients that they, they sit there and complain, I feel like shit, but they don't even try to get better. And mm-hmm. I think I understand them. I understand the mental block. But when you realize that you're the only one who controls your universe, right? Like you did. You left everything you did, your work and everything, and say, okay, now I'm taking the year or whatever to, to get better. And if patients will not do it, nobody will help them. The doctor is mm-hmm. not sitting every morning and saying, oh, Meta, how does she feel today? They have in Israel, uh, a GP, a general practitioner, will probably have around 2,000 patients. Yeah, I think so, it's 1,000 here in Denmark, so yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's a the lot doctor of people. is too busy. And until yeah. we fix healthcare, and we're working on it, there's so many initiatives. We as patients must come together and support each other, do collaboration, mm-hmm. push each other, set up communities. If you don't have a community in your country, like I see it, some people talk to me, oh, but in Cyprus, we don't have a community. Start it. Talk to me. We will give you the template of how to start a community like we did in mm-hmm. Israel. I was alone. I had no patients to talk to. And when I got a bit better, I started a Facebook group that became like a charity and now a national association kind of that supports POC patients. Because 
if you don't do it, nobody will. It's, uh, you cannot sit at home exactly. waiting. Somebody else will do it because mm-hmm. we are all feeling shit, like shit. We are all too sick and too tired and too fatigued. So nobody will, like we say, neither raise the glove and, and do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that before we summarize this call, because I don't want to fatigue you, I know how hard it is for post patients to speak a lot to you and to sleep like this. I want to ask you if you have any comments or anything you want to say to the people who watch us, because I think that you've been very influential to me and, and to other people. And I want to hear if, if you can like summarize and say, what are you, like your three or five tips that you can give patients if they want to feel better with pot? Yeah, slow down, really slow down, look around and just listen to yourself and your body and that's one thing i always say listen to your body do what works for you but also be kind and take in the the what is it called (laughs) the advice that comes from other people they only want you the best so don't don't discourage it or anything just yeah and be uh, try. I, I know this is such a cliche, but think positive. Like it really, really helps. It's something that's really helped me a lot. Like uh, to keep a, a positive mindset. It it does wonders, even though people say it don't, but it does. <laughs> so well said. Like really well said. You know, I live so inside of it. So sometimes it's so amazing to hear another person who's been through this journey that we all have the same conclusions it's so awesome Mm -hmm. Uh, and i want to add i was the kind of more the interviewer here but i have post syndrome with mass activation disorders and other disabilities i was almost a decade of my life bedridden or home ridden and Mm -hmm. i had to teach myself how to walk and even talk again because at some point i could not talk more than a few words because i would faint from the effort just from the Rebuilded myself completely, diagnosed myself. I'm not going to take the, the stage here, but I'm just saying I've been where Met have been. I've been there 10 years ago and I, I lived through the struggle and I thought everything is okay. And then I went to college and I started startups and I was this cool entrepreneur taking much more than I can. And then again, four years ago, I had another relapse because I stopped walking, I stopped eating healthy. I was in a very unhealthy relationship. I didn't have good support systems. I just, I forgot everything that I worked for. Everything that mm-hmm. Meta says here, I just forgot about it. And I got sick again to the point I was in bed again for like one year. I had to go back to a hospital and go two, three, four times a week, depends on the week, to a hospital. Uh, and the rest of the weeks do uh, physical therapy in the clinic. But basically, I had to continue my startup work and full-time job while being in hospital uh, just to get back to the same situation I was before. And trust me, it's much worse because when you taste the health again, it's much harder to lose it. So what Meta is doing right now is something I wish I had the strength and the smartness to do uh, 15 years ago and 10 years ago and four years ago. And it's not about the hard work for a few months. It's about the maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. the daily work. It should be part of, it's like you a gotta religion. You got to keep it going. Yeah, it if is. You got to keep going. You find a formula, right? You find a formula. Why do yeah. I eat? How do I sleep? What are my relationships? If you like how, what is my exercise? What is uh, my mind? I'm sorry. This is yeah. a very cute dog. What's her name? Oh, thank you. Hello. But she's deaf, so she can't hear anything. I'm sorry. She's very uh, high maintenance. <laughs> Just like us. It's okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> very empathetic. Pets are amazing, especially dogs with pots and, and yeah. other chronic. So, so what I wanted to, to summarize with before letting Meta summarize her part 
is that I've been there and I've made all the mistakes and I learned. And today there is not a single day. I have this magic device called an Apple watch that if I don't move enough, it just bug me and vibrates and just, you need to walk today and you need to do it. But if you don't have yes. enough money for it, you can buy a Xiaomi watch in like 20 euros or 15 euros that does basically the same for fitness because it counts your step and your activity. And what I have, what I've liked about Apple is that they have the rings. You need to complete enough movement, enough standing, enough activity, enough mindfulness, sleep, and so on. So no matter which fitness tracker is it, just put it in your calendar. I wake up every morning. Mm-hmm. I do 15 minutes of yoga, five minutes of meditation. And then I take a break every day, no matter how crazy my day is to do some mindful activity. And then at six in the evening, every day I go up for between half an hour to one hour, depends on the weather. And I do walking, jogging, depends on my ability. I do some power stuff if I can to maintain my health. I eat crazy healthy because we have a lot of IBS cases in pot. So last year I just couldn't eat anymore anything because my pot IBS was so serious. So I eat so healthy, unprocessed and FODMAP friendly. And I try to sleep as healthy as I can. I used stuff like melatonin for a while, but now I have my healthy sleep routines. Like I go to bed, I listen to a meditation, I read a book. I don't use screens. I use Kindle because it's much healthier with the blue light. This is what I'm doing. And I'm talking mm. so much. And now Meta can <laughs> summarize what she's doing. We can end this call so she can go on with her rehabilitation routine. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. it's so it's so good well i would just like to say that uh, if you just keep your head high and keep your mind positive and uh, as i've said like 15000 times now try to eat smaller meals remember to get your water and your salt even though it sounds crazy it really does make a difference yeah. try and stay motivated find something that really motivates you to keep going and really just fight but also remember to take a break sometimes and do something that makes you feel good. Uh, yeah. It's that's so well said. Pretty much. Sorry, go on. Go on. Sorry. No, that's uh, pretty much get a dog. It really helps. This is super important <laughs> With the in mental some health. countries. Yeah, in some countries. Also for the general pots or warning for fainting and so on. In some countries, pot patients, so this is normally patients, can get service dogs. It's mm-hmm. very expensive to train and so on. And you need to yeah. work with a charity. We're trying in Israel. It's very difficult. But in some yeah. countries, it's already happening, like in some states in the United States and in Canada. We can get get and give more information. And we would love to hear from you if you have information about how to get a service dog. But even if not, and just a regular pet, regular dog, possibly. I, I, like, I love all pets, but I don't know. I found that dogs specifically because of their empathy can uh, be really yes. therapeutic. Cats, can, cats are being proven scientifically to lower blood pressure as well. But yes. I didn't have enough experience. I think that um, the difference between me and Meta in general, not o- only because she's much stronger in the rehabilitation, is that I speak a lot and she does a lot. No, I'm just kidding. She just summarized everything w- well, better than me. We will ask my team that is watching this video right now to summarize in text and my tips. And I really hope that people will take it and, and use it and do mm-hmm. something because we are talking about real life experience, not just reading articles and books and other influencers uh, materials and i also yeah. i really call here on this stage to every patient with chronic illness or specifically uh, disabilities and so on to to you can talk to us follow us you can talk to us like people sometimes say i'm sorry to bother you can i ask you a question like i'm not elvis presley and even if i were like 
like I was dead, but no, but it's, it, you can talk to us, you can text us, you can ask mm-hmm. questions. I'm answering every text that I can to, to help patients. I wrote a guide about how to get better with POS. I need to translate it into other languages, but there's so many materials that we can refer you to. And if you haven't heard about it yet, there is an organization called Diffutomami International that really supports all the research for POS and, and the advocacy and education. So you should visit them and see what they have and META. Please summarize before I go on and talk forever again. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what to say. You said so much and said everything that needs to be said, I think. Just, uh, of course, if anybody wants to reach out either to me or to you, feel free to do it. Because the more we can help other people with POTS, the, the better. And of course, so there's a lot of doctors who doesn't know a lot about POTS. So it's important that you educate yourself. And you can do this by reaching out to people like us or just have have the, I'm sorry, very high maintenance or just research just in general on the internet. Join the support groups on Facebook and stuff like that and just do do everything you can to get to know yourself and your illness. Really, thank you for, for, for this word. And in this autonomy of Israel, the chariot, like the, the, the POT Association, this autonomy association of Israel, what we did is we created a one pager for doctors, everything they need to know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no matter which country you're from, please, if you need, just text us or I can send you this page. We can translate it to every language that's needed. You know, it's not a problem to raise some funds together and pay like it's like 40 euros to translate with the official translation to any language. I'm sure we can pitch in and and translate it to as many languages as possible because mm-hmm. the doctors should be educated. And I'm I'm mentoring medical students and we're uh, I'm speaking to students and nurses wherever in the world that wants to hear me. If you're listening to me right now and you want one of us to advocate, to come to a Zoom call, to speak somewhere about POTS, please let us know. We'll do it all the time because we care about it. So personally, educational-wise, awareness-wise, research-wise, anything you need. And I really recommend you to follow the Patient School page on Instagram. We're uploading material that can really help chronic illness patients. And the app will come in a few months and will be groundbreaking in helping patients feeling better. Yeah, we, we, we are very excited about it. And Meta, I'm so thankful that you took uh, your precious rehabilitation time and your time to, to join us today and and I really hope your rehabilitation will end soon and you'll go to the maintenance stage and, and blossom even more. Um, yeah. And I'm so happy we're friends and, and uh, we're following each other and that you're giving me inspiration every day with your rehabilitation. Every time I see you with this sweatsuit, I'm just putting mine and go out because I feel shame. So <laughs> good motivation. You're like my uh, Instagram Apple Watch, so it's good. Oh, <laughs> I'll be sure to post more then. <laughs> yeah, because I only share pizzas and stuff. So people think I'm uh, like this guy who just eats and eats. I should share more of me yeah. walking every day and doing rehabilitation. That's you a good should, idea. you should, yeah. I will, I you will, should. I will, because I do it every day. And I sometimes mm. take some selfies or, or stuff or stories, but it's not enough. <laughs>